Hello, this is Jacqueline Sanders Blackman. This is another episode of One Slide at a Time. This episode, I'm continuing on the topic of debt, but what I want to point out is there's other debt other than technical debt. One of the things that when the teens are so focused on the features and the stories and the you know, slicing, demonstrating value and in incremental pieces. Sometimes what we find yourself is on the, the verge of a deployment and there's some things that we need to have in place to proactively be a, a ready to deploy, to take something that you build and go from potentially shippable to actually being able to ship it being ship ready. <laughs> At one time, in early stages of Agile and Scaled Agile, they even had where a lot of teams worked six sprints and then they had a week or a sprint at that six or seven sprint mark and they called that the hardening period. Um, it was actually called HIP, H-I-P, because it stood for Hardening, Innovation, and Planning. So that hardening was the piece of just making sure everything was solid and ready to go. And innovation was to make, you know, if you had those final enhancements and just wanted to polish it up. And the planning part is looking at it and making sure that it had all the hooks in it, you know, looking ahead to the other pieces that were eventually fit alongside it. So that was called the HIP sprint, H-I-P. But that is long gone, and you don't hear about that. Um, as a matter of fact, Scaled Agile dropped the H altogether because the thought process is you need to be doing these pieces proactively every step of the way, doing those incrementally just like everything else. When you accumulate something and do it at the end, again, you're kind of bookending your sprints with kind of a waterfall kind of approach to deployment. So that's one thing to keep in mind. So there's a lot of different moving pieces and this is what also justifies the idea of a scrum, a scrum master um, to, to help with some of that coordination piece and facilitation piece so that someone kind of can keep the eye on some of these other debts. And I'm going to list off the, those debts. That's documentation debt. Um, at some point, you there's certain pieces, whether it's the user piece or the system piece, that there does need to be documentation. And I'm, I'm going to stay on this for just a moment because some people think in terms of, well, Agile, you're really not supposed to document or you're supposed to have lightweight documentation. And the, the idea that there's no documentation just isn't true. It's just like I said, it's lightweight documentation. And let's qualify that. It's lightweight requirements documentation. That doesn't speak to the idea that you have to do your user documentation. And you even need to, for maintainability, have the system documented. 
But their idea was let's not make a bunch of robust requirements when we can have a conversation, have a dialogue. But once that's set, you do need to leave the right amount, just enough, not overbearing, but just enough documentation so that the person that's going to come behind you and, and maintain it and support it, um, or at some point has to do enhancements on it, you've left them enough breadcrumbs. So be careful of, don't wait until it becomes a have to, where you have to somehow do some documentation. And, and this is the reality is that I've seen teams that go agile, you're building things and delivering things fine and everything seems like it's in order. And until that point where, and let's be honest, software, you end up doing enhancements or even completely rewriting in about two to three years after you've uh, built it. it. It's a fast turnover in the building of software. So I've, I've seen more than once, whether it's rebuilding the software or even just trying to interface with the software, a team having to completely re-engineer um, a, a system because there was no documentation and the original people that worked on it were long gone. Um, so that's a prime example where that debt will come back to haunt you. Um, other things that might haunt you when we talk about debt, compliance. Um, don't wait to the end. You know, you're focused on the, the front end, the look and feel, getting the customer's feedback or your product owner's feedback. And there's very little talk about that back end and the compliance. You're not going into production if you haven't addressed that. Even design debt. This is where I have seen um, whether you're working on the, the design and the worst case scenario is when you might have two teams or even teams uh, within the team that are working on different parts and then you go to put it together and all of a sudden we don't have a cohesive look in the design or in the build or we, we, we find ourselves having to heavily refactor and you may know that word from one of my previous podcasts, refactoring. Um, that's when you, you go back and you have all these individual parts that you've made as a part of slicing up the build and planning. But when you put it back together in order to make them fit to, together and to fill in the scenes, you've got to take time to do some refactoring. And literally some teams treat refactoring as a technical ticket or an enabler ticket, or they make the refactor type uh, a standalone type. So making sure that from time to time, you're looking at the design, making sure the pieces come together, don't wait to the end, that could come back to haunt you. The architecture, the overall, the infrastructure and the framework, making sure that it can support not just what you're building now, but those other pieces to, to come. If you're not proactive about that, wait to the end. Again, that debt will come back to haunt you. Code debt. You're doing things fast and furious and not necessarily doing the best practices or making it maintainable or scalable, um, reusable. And suddenly 
you get to that that point where you got this hodgepodge and you're going to wrap around back to that whole refactoring and it's going to be a much bigger effort than you intended now i'm going to read off a few more and then i'm going to tell you well what do we do about it that's the big question but continuing on with the list there's the the defect debt um as you're going along and you're you're finding things um especially when you're delaying the shipping and the potentially shippable uh pieces you often may find where the team says well we'll, we'll wait the bugs and we'll fix those at the end we'll fix those at the end and then the end comes and what happens we're going to be rushed and then there is um there's going to be repercussions when you try to rush through those defects. So look at them and balance them as you go along. I, you know, factor in that those, uh, those defects don't delay them. Delaying your testing. I almost feel like testing, um, goes without saying, <laughs> if you put it off and try to do that big bang at the end, you're crunching, one of the most important pieces that's going to ensure that you deliver quality software that needs to be iterative and woven in every step of the way. My next one, this is my second to the last, this is automation. The reality is, is in order for testing to keep up with the pace of development of an agile engineering team, you have to have automated test scripts for your regression testing. Um, this is something that is an unspoken rule until you're in this and, and, and doing this for a while. Um, don't realize how implied that is and how obvious it is, but you don't often see it stated and referred to. Um, but that's how other teams are, are doing it. And the debt comes in when you're not keeping pace with writing your test scripts. One of the uh, proven best practices that I've seen is when you build that, that piece of code for that story, one of the um, items in your definition of done is that you've written the companion automation script. That's the one way to keep them pace, keep pace with and not build up that that debt of your automation scripts and then also people and resources and i'm glad that that that's one of the the line items here in that understanding even just the the human factor that we take into consideration with agile this just acknowledging that um the fact that If you don't nurture and care for the people, if you're running them at a rate that's going to burn them out, you're going to build up a, a, a debt, and at some point you're going to have to pay that debt. And that's that's the, the underlying thing, why we refer to it as debt. It's kind of what we also know as the cost of delay. Certain things, the more you delay it, when you do get around to it, you're going to pay a hefty penalty, just like with debt you pay 
a hefty amount of interest. So try to address it along the way. How you do that, you may have something in your backlog called a work item that, uh, that you have these different action items as part of the work item. Some of these items rightly belong in your definition of done. Find out what is best for your team and what's applicable for your team, but someone needs to have their eye on these items and to, to help remind the team because the team, the product owner is so focused on the, the, the features that it's not malicious, but this just isn't on their radar necessarily. So have that slide pop it up at your planning sessions is when we talk about the features that set aside a percentage of that velocity, that capacity, that is also going to be to keep that debt as low and manageable as possible. So take remember that as part of your the, the, the planning and the, the scope. You as team members can remind your scrum master and all scrum masters should know to have this on their radar. So that's our topic as far as other types of debt uh, going along with technical debt um, to be aware of, watch out for, be proactive. So that's our episode. Thank you for listening. Until next time.